This is a shira. This is a shira on Likutei Sichais, Chelek Tazayin, Book 16, the Sicha of Mishpatim, the fourth Sicha. In the Pasuk, in this week's Pasha, it says, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm going up to, uh, to get the Torah for 40 days. I'm leaving you down. He told the elders, you stay here. And whoever has an issue should come, uh, should come to you. And if not you, then Aaron and Chur are down here. If it's difficult for the elders, you should go to Aaron and Chur. But basically the words are, whoever has an issue, whoever has a matter that he has to, uh, needs a judging on, should come to you. From this, says the Gemara, we learn that first you go to the Toivea, that when two people come, one is claiming, one is, one is a, and one is being claimed from. You go first to the one who is claiming, you listen to him first. As the Pasuk says, the Baal Tvarim, the one who has the issue, has the complaint, should first present his words to the court, the Beisdim. So the Shach explains, what does this mean? And by the way, uh, just uh, quickly, the, the footnote thir- uh, 3 says right away that there are many that, that ask on the way he, um, the way he learns the Gemara. There are other ways to learn the Gemara. But the Rebbe is going in this uh, the way the Shach learns the Gemara, the Shach and the commentary on Shulchan Aruch, the way he learns the Gemara, and the Rebbe is going to build the Sicha on that concept. Okay, so the Shach explains that this means, just like it sounds, that when they come to court, Beisdin listens first to the, to the complaints, to the tainus, to the claim of the one who's claiming, and afterwards it listens to the one who's being claimed from. What's the difference who you give to speak first? The difference will be in a case where there is a partial admission. The halacha is that if somebody comes and says, you owe me a hundred, and the other person admits and says, I owe you fifty, so then there is an obligation. This is the classic case, we call it it's a partial admission, and there is a requirement of an oath. The person has to get up in basin and take an oath, that he's only obligated 50 and he's not obligated the other 50. <clears throat> so, what will happen is though, when is there an obligation? When does the person come under the obligation of making an oath? It's only when there is an admission to a claim. If, however, the person who's being claimed from would come and before the basin even has a chance to listen to the person who's claiming, the guy will say, I, I owe the guy 50. And now the person comes and claims, says, he says he owes me 50, he really owes me 100. That's not the classic case of partial admission. Now you have to look at the cases of the 50s off the table that he admitted to. He came in and he said, I owe the guy 50. Now when this guy's claiming 100, really the discussion is only 50. Oh, about that 50? I don't know anything. So he's no longer a partial admission. So then there wouldn't be an obligation of a shvua, at least not a de'iraisa shvua. it wouldn't be a biblical shvua. That can make a big difference. Because a, a shvua makes a person thinks hard, the, 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 the severity of an oath makes people really, really think before they would take an oath about something. So the ability to tell a lie, if he doesn't have to make an oath, is easier. If he knows he's going to have to make an oath, then he may just admit that he really owes the other 50, if he does. So you see there's a big... It's a big difference who you listen to first because if you listen to the one who's claiming first, then the admission becomes a partial admission that requires a shvua, an oath. 
Now the reason for this Allah is because why do we taka listen to the, the one who's claiming first? Because the one who's admitting to a partial, he should have paid that partial admission. He shouldn't have had to be pulled into court. And since he didn't do that which he should have done morally, he should have paid up that which he owes. And now he's become a defendant in court. So that's why we listen to the plaintiff first. We listen to the one who's claiming in order to allow him to have the upper hand that the person he's claiming from will be obligated to make a shvua if he wants to stand in his denial. Again, it's a kind of a knas, a kind of penalty, because if you admit to 50, why did you make him schlep you to court to pay that 50? You should just come up with a 50. Furthermore, the Gemara says, however, sometimes you do go to the person who's the defendant first. When? When his property price will be affected. When his property price has become cheap. What does that mean? So the Shach explains, in the way that he explained the Salah, he now puts this into context. He says, if the reason that the one who's coming, being schlepped into court, the reason he didn't pay that which he claims he's obligated, his partial admission, why didn't he pay up? It's not because he wanted to delay payment, but because in that time his properties were of lesser value and he was waiting for the property price to appreciate. So then we understand, okay, now we can listen to you first. We understand you. It's not your fault that you didn't come and pay up what you admit. You, you have property to pay, but you, you want to sell it at a loss. Or if you, uh, there's another option to learn this, what the Gemara says, if his property price is going to become, it's not that the property price was cheap, but perhaps if, we, if he was going to come up and, and cough up money, he needed quick money to pay what he needs to pay, that itself would have depreciated his property value. Because when people know there's a fire sale, when people know somebody needs cash quickly, so then the property price goes down. So in other words, both of these are just explaining this instance where we take off this uh, feeling that the, 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 the defendant should have paid what he knows he owes, and there's a good reason why he didn't. Oh, so then we don't need to listen first to the one who's claiming. We have no reason to try and put the defendant in a... In a, in a in a position that he's more prone to making a shvur. We say, okay, no, we, we, your, your denial now will be accepted on a different level. You, you won't be required to make a shvur because what will happen is you'll say, I owe, if we listen to you first, you'll say, I owe the guy 50. And the guy says, no, you owe 100. So the 50, again, as we said, is off the table. Now it's just discussing about that remaining 50. And now he's no longer a maidamimiktas, a partial admitter, and there wouldn't be a shvur, a teiridik a shvur. Base, second shift. So as we spoke many times, says the Rebbe, all things that are spoken about in the revealed halachic aspect of Torah, they're also there in the spiritual service of Hashem. And on the contrary, since the Torah starts, Torah originates as a chamudoginuza, as something very dear that's been hidden away, so to speak, like a, like a treasure in heaven. And Hashem lowers the Torah. The Torah travels down and lowers itself till it actually comes and encloses itself in matters of this world. That means to say that really the origin of all halachas are in their spiritual state. So if that's the origin, we have to be able to understand what is the parallel when we talk about the spiritual service of Hashem, of this halacha, and even more. The Rebbe says sometimes things that come down as a halacha in nigla and the revealed aspect of Torah, they really are best and most properly understood in their spiritual origin. When you look back to the spiritual origin, you say, oh, now I understand why 
that expresses itself in halacha, which I didn't fully understand the rationale for in the, in the revealed way that it comes, that it's expressed, in the practical way it's expressed. But once I look at its origin, in the spiritual sense, it becomes, there I understand the nuances more. And now I understand why the expression of that is down here, but I understand the source. Similarly, when we talk about, we talk about our, our case here. Simply speaking, to understand what the Shach was saying is not so clear why. Because the, our sages said, you listen to the teveya, to the one who's claiming first. It doesn't say that it's only in a case where he's claiming 100 and the other person is admitting 50. Um, it makes it sound like whenever there's a claim, there's a, there's a plaintiff and a defendant, there's a claimer and somebody being claimed from, you listen to the one who's claiming. But according to the way the shach is explaining it, really the practical application of this halach of the Gemara is only one case. When there is a partial admission, he claimed 100 and he admitted to 50. However, when we look at the inner meaning of what this statement the Gemara says, we'll understand that, truthfully speaking, every claim, every spiritual claim between, between the one who's claiming and the one who's being claimed from is really a partial admission. What do we mean here? Gimel. The Rebbe says, who's the one who claims from a Yid that he owes him something or that he's, he's standing there and trying to take something from him? It's the Yitzhahara, the negative inclination. First, he causes the person to actually fall into the sin, to stumble into sin, God forbid. Or at least, even if it's not sin, it's the sin, there's, there's sin of doing something wrong, and then there's sin of not doing what you could have done. There's sin of commission, the sin of omission. And so then, he, then, once he got you to sin, or not to live up to your full potential, to be chisoran, to be lacking something, because chait, which means sin, can also mean chait, can also mean missing the mark. You haven't reached your full mark, your full potential. Then he comes and claims. He says, hello. Since you're one of my guys, because, you, hey, we sinned yesterday. You, you, you joined me in sin yesterday. So now you're mine. Now I want everything. I want you to be my boy. Listen to me, whatever I say. In response to that claim of the Eitzahara, so the Yid is the defendant. He's the one being claimed from. But he's a made of a mix. He's only a, he's only a partial admitter. Why? Says Taka, you're right. I, I fell into the sin, God forbid. But I wasn't fully vested in that sin. My entire essence was not part of that sinfulness. Because we know there's a concept that says, it says in Tanya that Yid, even even when he's sinning, it was still in its faithfulness, still in its connectivity to Hashem. So, more than more than that, not just his essence, deepest essence, was still one with Hashem, and even when he sinned, God forbid, but even his revealed aspects of his neshama, because we know every yid has something good to him. More than that, our sages tell us even the sinful ones of Israel are full of mitzvahs, like a pomegranate is full of seeds. What does it mean, malayin? Malayin means full. They're full of mitzvahs. In other words, even whatever you Jew you're talking about, our sages look at a Jew and say, whatever Jew you're talking about, it's not possible that he's totally bad. It's just, it's just not possible. There isn't such a reality. Ah, <laughs> you want to look at the uh, 15, right? Because you want to know what the Tanya does say. There's a Rasha Varale. Rasha was just so terrible. He doesn't even have any, nothing good about him. He doesn't even think about doing good. 
about regretting the bad. Um, uh, so, but, but, so, so how can Tanya say against what our sages say, that every yid is full of mitzvahs? So it could be that Rebbe says, if I understand this correctly, he's full of mitzvahs, but the mitzvahs don't actually have an effect on his state of being. The Tanya is explaining who is he. If you want to analyze where is the person, what is his state of being, no. so he's full of mitzvahs, but his state of being is a Russia who just has bad in him. Um, anyway. But at any rate, what the Rebbe is saying is, the Yitzhak the, the is coming saying, you're mine. And the Yitzhak says, no, 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 no. Yes, I did something wrong. Partially you're right. I admit, but not at all. <laughs> Partially, not at all. Partially, I wasn't with you. I wasn't invested fully in this sin. And the thing is that every level of Yid, whether it's Tzaddik, well, it says about a Tzaddik also, Shleim HaMelech says, there's no Tzaddik that's perfect and hasn't done a sin. Again, remember, sin can also mean that he hasn't lived up fully to his full potential. Or a Rasha, we said Russia is also full of mitzvahs, like a pomegranate. So every yid, in some way, is a partial admitter. And this concept that in the battle, in the struggle that Hashem creates for us, between the good side and the negative side, that we're all, every yid is a maidam amiktas, is a partial admitter. On the one hand, even at Sadiq, partially has to deal with the Yitzhahar and say, yeah, you know, I, I, I did, in a sense not do a million percent which, what, what was right because of your influence, but huh, you're not, I'm not yours. And even a guy who's a sinful person says, yeah, I did sins, a lot of sins, but I'm also, I got mitzvahs too, I'm not fully yours. So this concept, this is the, the, this is the narrative of every Jewish life, we see this in the Pasuk that discusses uh, the concept of of making partial admission and a swear. What's the Pasuk? The Pasuk says, that I'll call Dvar Pesha, when anything comes because something was done wrong. We're going to now gonna, gonna translate the Pasuk in the way the Rebbe is learning it in uh, Avedas Ha'adam. The Rebbe says, you can look very uh, for more length, more depth, the way the Rebbe says it in Likut Esichas, Book 1, page 155 and onwards, based on the Pesha of Samach Tzadik. Here the Rebbe does it briefly. Let's go into it. Posik says, I'll call Dvar Pesha for anything that's, Pesha means something wrong. When somebody, God forbid, somebody does something, a Pesheya, he sins against God. In other words, he has misused or abused or not fully utilized his mission here in this world. And even if it wasn't Pesheya, it wasn't advertently, it wasn't consciously done. Or even if it's, I'll call Aveda, the continuation of Posik is anything that's lost even if it's only something, a missed opportunity, something that was lost, he didn't fill his full potential. And therefore, part of the koiches, part of the, the, the powers that he's been vested into his nefesh alikis have been lost. And square brackets here, the Rebbe says, that these four details, the Pasuk now enunciates four details, either for a shoir, a bull, talking about things that can be mis, misabused or lost. In the literal passage, it's talking about items. A bull, a donkey, a lamb, a garment. Those refer to the four kinds of nefesh abamises, of animal souls, which have caused this loss and this sin that the godly soul was involved in. So in all those claims that the 
Nefesh Alekiz didn't do what it was supposed to do because it got vested, it got influenced by the animal soul. So on all these claims, the Yid says, Asher Yoimah, the Yid says, Ki huzeh. That this is, this is the extent. It, it's only this. This is, this is the only thing I did wrong. But I'm good. It's only this partial admission. It's only this little bit where indeed I went off the track and you caught me. You're right, but I'm not yours. I deny being fully vested in you, Mr. Yetzar. Get off my back. So what does the Torah say when you have these two claimants coming to court? Dalit, Psaktan, if Torah is that a made to make somebody who's partial admission has to make a shvua. He has to, if he wants to deny the rest and he doesn't know the rest, he has to take oath. Dafka, through a person taking an oath, we believe him on the part that he denies. Otherwise we say maybe yeah, he knows he owes it, he's just trying to, you know, he just doesn't have the money right now, as the Gemara says, he wants to, you know, weasel out of it. No, 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 no. But you take a shvua, that's a serious statement. Oh, that means he really, he really believes he doesn't owe it. Okay. What does it mean in Ruchni is taking a shvua? So here, let's think about it like this. Because the person has already partially fallen into the into the control, into the domain of the Yetzirah, he did something wrong. So now he needs to drum up an extra koyach, an extra energy to be able to protect himself that he shouldn't f- totally fall into the domain of the Yetzirah. And he may fall so low that he doesn't want to admit that he did something wrong. And when you admit and you leave the sin, Hashem has pity. But in order to make sure that the person shouldn't fall even deeper into the, into the pit, so you have to make him take an oath. In other words, they were saying that if he does owe it all, what happens when you make a shpua? You make an oath, what happens is if the person taket does owe the other 50, he admits. Oy vey. So, but in the Avedis Hashem also, if a person, if a person did something wrong, he has to admit, because the moment you admit, and you say, Hashem, I did this and this wrong, please forgive me, that then you can crawl out of the pit. Hashem accepts your teshuah. So the shvua is critical. You got to drum up the strength to not fall into the control of the Yetzirah. And by the way, one of the ways of not falling is to admit, if, if, if you did wrong, to admit that, yes, you were wrong, but not to admit that you're the Yetzirah's guy, to admit to Hashem you need help, and then Hashem will help you. So then we need a Shavuah. So what's the oath doing here? The word Shavuah is also from the Lashon of Soiva, which means to be satisfied. In other words, to be loaded up with energies that satiate and give you, when you're satisfied, you have energy. To give you this, the, the, to, to be loaded up with the right amount of koiches that satisfy and give you the energy to, to stand up and fight. So that your, the other half should stay in Kedusha. Because again, the usual case is, you don't taka owe it. You make a shvua means, you're making an oath, I don't owe that other 50, I didn't mess up totally, Sorry. But you need strength, because if you don't have a shvua, shvua gives strength. Because shvua, you take an oath, means you have to really be convinced about what you say. And also the word shvua means that you got, um, that you got satiated with extra keiches Hashem gives you. However, we know that making a shvua is a very, very, very heavy thing. And maybe and people try with, for, at all costs not to make a shvua. Because what happens is, if you don't use properly those extra energies you got, 
in the in the ruchnis like a concept of shvu. And Hashem gave you extra energies if you don't totally use them. So not just didn't you achieve what you had to achieve, but then you get a, you, you, you get a watch called you get a punishment. In other words, in the case of the halacha, if a person he claims hundred, he says, "Now I only owe you fifty. Now he makes a shvua. If Itaka owes that other fifty, and he's discovered, not just does he pay that fifty, but now he also has another aveda. Not just he was trying to steal fifty, he has another aveda that he now has a false shvua. So you got to be very careful with the shvua, because there's power in, a, in an oath, makes you, but there's also a danger. If God forbid the oath is not correct, you just added another sin, not just theft. You added a shvua. So it may let people try and stay away from because. Person may think once if I'm going to take a shvua, maybe I think I don't owe fifty, but maybe I'm making a mistake. So, even if a person's pretty sure, people try and stay away from making an oath. An oath is a very, very heavy thing. In the in the ruchni is the parallel. What we're saying here is, so if if if, if Hashem gives you the power of a shvua, and now you stand up against the yitzhahara, the problem is that extra power you have if you didn't fully use it, then you could be punished for not just for falling yesterday, but also for not using the new power you got today. So therefore, Chazal, our sages, are very, warned very strongly about giving a shvua, making someone take an oath where you, can, um, where you can get away without it, where you can establish the truth without it, even if the person is making a, a true oath, because the oath is very strong. So that's why the Gemara says, that there's a way to get out of this oath. In, in, in Ruchni is how? You will go to ask the, the one who was claimed from first, and if he admits 50 before the other guy claims 100, then there's no shvua. When is that? When the property became, uh, became cheaper. Well, let's see, what does that mean in Ruchnis? So we'll understand, again, we explained that in Gashmis it means when the person's properties uh, are cheaper, and that's why he didn't come and, and cough up the money first. So we understand, okay, we don't have to penalize him. We'll ask him first, and then he won't have a shvua. So what does it mean in Ruchnis? Hey, We'll understand this first by understanding another enigmatic story in the Gemara about Rabbi Yechonim Zakkai. Rabbi Yechonim Zakkai cried before he passed away and he said, the reason for his crying is somebody asked him why is he crying? And he said, because I have before me two paths. He's going to pass away soon. There's two paths, one Gan Eden, one Gehenim. I don't know which one they're going to take me on. And I shouldn't cry. I'm standing here before a fork, fork, a fork in the road. I don't know which way they're taking me. Gan Eden or Gehenim. I shouldn't cry. So it's well known the question... How can it be that Rabbi he was from the greatest of the Tanoim, of the rabbis, of the Mishnah? And as our sages say, in many places, they speak in great esteem. They speak in, 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 in mafli, they, uh, not exaggerate, but they speak in, in, in great, you know, uh, they highlight, emphasize the greatness of Rabbi Yechelem And he was definitely, totally careful about staying away from bad, stay away from bad and doing good, how could he even have a doubt where he's going to Ganeid Nogehenim? Also, we have to understand why is he worried about this just before he passes away? Okay, true that before passing away, there's two paths. You know, you're, you're going to leave this world. Now there's a fork. Ganeid Nogehenim. Uh, that's got to do with the, with the with the reward for the Neshama after it passes away. Okay, we understand it's related to passing away, but... It's difficult to understand. We understand that Yechem Zaka wasn't worried about the destination. He wasn't uh, trying to do hotels.com and see which, which hotel he's going to go to. It's not about what reward is he getting. That's not what his focus was here. He was concerned about where is he? Is he doing what's proper and therefore he belongs in Gan Eden? 
and in holiness, or God forbid, the opposite. So this, this doesn't start to become relevant only when, when he's about to go to the next destination. His whole life, a person, a person his whole life wants to know, is he doing the right thing, or God forbid not. So if he's not sure about that, why does it just come up before passing away? So one of the explanations in this is, Every yid is given a shlichas vav. Every yid is given a mission and a function that he has to fill, fulfill in this world during his lifetime. In order to be able to carry out this mission, Hashem gives the needed amount of days and the requisite amount of kreches of energies. Exactly what is required in order to be able to fulfill this shlichas, this mission. Not more and not less. Just to throw in here what the Rebbe said several times as an example. The Rebbe said that a good balabosta, even a, actually, today's Chav Beishvat, the Rebbe says, Yartzai, a good balabosta, somebody, a woman who's running a house, she doesn't have wastage in the house. Whatever she has in the kitchen, in the house, whatever, it's, it's, there, for, it's there for a purpose. It's not needed, it's not there. If it's there, it's needed. So in a yid, Hashem gives for every person's journey exactly what they need, the amount of days, the amount of keches. So, so when a yid uses out, uh, um, doesn't, so when, when a yid doesn't utilize a day, or even a moment, an hour, a moment, to do a shlichus, it's not just that he's missing something for that moment. That he didn't take the full advantage of where he could have reached. No, so he got, didn't get to 100 in his lifetime, he got to 99.9. No. Every moment that he doesn't do his shlichas, even if he's doing something good, the Rebbe says here, but it's not something that's his mission. It's not God forbid he took the, the minute and, 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 and watched a movie. He took the minute and did something good, but it wasn't what he was meant to do. So that moment, that minute is missing in, in the fulfillment of his shlichas. And basically he's changing, abusing, moyel, misusing, God forbid, the shlichas of Hashem's, the shlichas of Hashem. I don't usually throw in a story, but I was want to throw in a, a muscle here, maybe just for a minute. There's a guy who was driving a bus, and he noticed that his, his, his route was a little shvach. He didn't bring in so much money when everybody came to bring the money in at the central bus depot. He didn't have so much money. He knows there was... And his friend has a lot more money when he comes to the end of the day. So he decided he's going to go and drive on the same route that his friend drives. He comes, of course, in the evening to the bus depot. The, the bus dispatcher is very, very upset. He says, what do you mean? But I brought you more money. He says, but well, you didn't go on your route. Your route is the route you have to go. You could be did something good. You weren't doing what you were meant to do. And that's driving, driving down the wrong route for the bus. Yeah, that's, that's, that's serious. Here, calls it moyel, misusing. Every moment of his life was busy with doing his avodah and his mission. Learning Torah, doing mitzvahs. He was so engrossed and so involved in fulfilling his shlichus, the way he's supposed to do it in this world. He didn't have any time to think about what, you know, where am I up to? What, what is my situation? Am I a ganeidin, ganem? He didn't have time to think about it. Because if by stopping to think about me, about himself, but his own level where he's at, he wouldn't have been using the minute he has to be able to do the shlichas he's meant to do. 
so, so why at the end of his life does he take the time to do that? Because at the end of the life, when he's about to pass away, now he's going to finish his shlichus in this world. So then he took a break, and he <coughs> and it was time to make an accounting, to make a cheshbon. Because, again, a part of the mission, apparently, I'm, I'm trying to understand pshat here, but part of the mission is, yes, to make a, uh, to make a what you want, to make an accounting. And now this is the time, because it's about to pass away. So that, once he thinks about it, where am I, that caused him to cry. Not because he's worried about the destination, but because now he's thinking about his whole life. Did I fully utilize it, or didn't I? Zion. This way, because by the way, I want to point out in Ha'orah 31, very interesting thing that Rebbe points out, the way Dovid HaMelech passed away, and Rabbi Barnachmeni, remember they were always learning, the Malachimovs couldn't do anything, that only when it came the time for them to pass away, the Malachimovs was able to interrupt them from their learning. Um, I'm not sure what the Rebbe is pointing out here. Um, I'd be interested to hear if anybody has any input on this. But perhaps, um, perhaps, in other words, when a person comes towards the end, there's, there's less intensity or, or there's, it's time to look around or to, to make a cheshman. Could be, he's saying that Rabbi Menachmeni, why did they stop because of a, uh, whatever, I'm not sure what, the Rebbe says, Lahoyer, Rebbe calls our attention to that story. Okay, back to the Pnim, Zion. This, this way of fulfilling the shlichus, that you think not about yourself, you're thinking just about the mission. This is something fundamental and general in service of Hashem. And this is demanded from Rebbe Yid. It's a, it's a high level. It's not about me. It's about what does Hashem want from me. And taking time to think about where I am is, is also taking time from doing my mission. Could be it's a good thing. It's taking time from doing the mission I have to do. I could have done something more. <coughs> Shleima, we could say, this is also hinted at in the inner meaning of the psukim of this week's parsha, where it says, we shall serve Hashem. Avadetem means to, to actually work for Hashem. What does that mean? It means avayda. Avayda of, you know, avayda means to work, to break yourself. So first of all, it means ava. Because we know that the Zaya says there's no, when you talk about work, there's not, no greater service of Hashem than the service that's done with love. So Aveda refers to love. It also means Yira. Because Aveda also means like an like a Eved, like a servant works, even though he's, he doesn't, doesn't do it lovingly, he does it with obedience. So there's Yira, the reverence, the obedience. So it says, after it says that you serve Hashem, which includes Ava Yira, it says that so there's a Bracha, there won't be any woman who loses children, God forbid, or a woman who's barren and not able to have children in your land, I will fulfill the, I will fill the days, I, I, I will fill your, the, the number of your days. Now let's have a full life. That's the Gashmis, the Kabracha. You'll have children, the children will live, and you'll live a full life. What does it mean in a spiritual sense? Not having children, or having children that, God forbid, don't live, to, to, to be grown up. So again, we're talking about children here refer to Ava and Yira. Because um, um, we know that Ava and Yira are called son and daughter. The Seichel is called the parents because Ava and Yira are emotions. The way we give birth to emotions is through the parents. The parents of emotions are intellect. When we think enough about something, how something is good, we have an attraction to it. When we think about how something is so powerful, we have a 
a, a, a reverence for it. So we're talking now about the children here. Children's Ava and Yira. Fear, love and fear of Hashem. So when either they don't have, either they don't get born in the first place, or they're born but they don't have any sustainability, they, they, they pass on they, uh, before they grow up. In other words, they're not sustainable. Why is that? and can come either non-birth or, 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 or passing soon after birth in, with the Avayira that's not sustainable is because of Aratzacha, because of a Rotzen. Aratzacha means in your land, literally. It also means here, being translated Rotzen, because of your, your Rotzen. What does that mean? When a person feels his own individual um, will. Remember, Rebbe points out in 39, when a, a person is supposed to make his will the will of Hashem. Not to think about what I want. His whole will should just be, what does Hashem want? Put away your own will. What does Hashem want? When a person does feel his own will, and even more, he feels a satisfaction. Satisfaction in Hebrew is sviyas rotzen, a satisfaction of his will. When you fulfill your will, when something you want that happens, you feel a satisfaction. So when a person feels satisfaction from his service of Hashem, which that shows that he's feeling his own mitzias, his own being, he is serving Hashem, he is the one with Ava Vira, who he has good things, but he's feeling the self. Oh, that could, God forbid, cause that the, either the Ava Vira don't have longevity. They're lost. In other words, why? What's, what, what's the, what, how does that extrapolate it? What, what's the, what's the uh, domino effect from somebody who has a satisfaction or feels himself? He's feeling himself for doing good things. Because first of all, he'll only do in a measured way. He'll serve Hashem in a measured way. If he's serving it based on, he, he feels good about it, as much as brings him satisfaction, that's the extent that he'll extend himself. And then, he may even start becoming selective about which things he does. If he's doing things based on his own satisfaction, well, maybe there's some things I have a chush, I have, I have a... Uh, I have a... Uh, I have a talent, and I have a... Uh, you know, I, I feel... I do these things well, so I'm going to be ready to do that, but not something else. Yeah, Hashem wants it from me, but I don't have a, a pull in that direction. Till God forbid, he can fall from his level and not, uh, and not do that's what, that's what he's meant to do. Because Abed Hashem means doing whatever Hashem wants. So what's the answer to this? Loisi here. The Pasuk says, you shouldn't have um, non-born Avavira or Avavira that, that pass on. How? The continuation of the passage is, I will fulfill the, I will fill the number of your days. A Yid has to f- think about this, about the number of his days. When a Yid meditates that Yom Mitzvah Hashem created him with a certain amount of days, that there's a certain amount of days that Hashem has given him, and those are the exact amount of days that he needs in order to fulfill his shlichus and every moment that he uses for something else or he changes his route. He's misusing, he's doing a me'ila, he's doing an abuse and a misuse of his shlichus of Hashem. So that gives him a tresel, it shakes him up. And he, by getting shaken up, he loses the feeling of his own self-being. And he becomes so dedicated, so immersed and so engrossed with his whole entity, with his whole being in fulfilling his shlichus, he doesn't even feel that he's filling the shlichus. He just, he, he just, he just, he's just busy. He's not consciously thinking, how good am I, am I in fulfilling this? 
You understand? He's totally selfless and transparently caught up in the mission, and that's all he feels. Ah. On the contrary, when you try and say hello, how are you doing? What about Artsukha? How's, how's your own desire doing? How's your own satisfaction? He says, I, he answers with a brokenness. Vosmir, and when the Rebbe said this in a mimer, this is based on a mimer in Tavshin Yud Beis, it's, it's related to us by the Chassidim over there. When the Rebbe said this, the Rebbe said it in a, in a, uh, in a choked up, in a choked up voice. So he answers with a brokenness. Vosmir, or the time of, what, what, what do I care? What do I have any association with, with a desire and a satisfaction or, or a pleasure from what I'm doing? I, I, I'm consumed with one thing, that there's days that Hashem has created and I have to be standing at the, at the watch, like a, like a guard standing and, and watching, you know, watching from every direction. I got to be there standing at my watch that one moment should not get lost. I have to think about levels. What are you asking me about my levels, about satisfaction, about who has, who has time, who has, who has space, who has interest to think about? Rotsen, Tainu. So Bishas, when a Yid is able to achieve by himself this, it means this total giving over of himself, giving himself away, like total uh, um, dedication and bittle in his whole essence, to Hashem and to Shlichus, that's all that consumes him. So then, when he's asmispayamechamali, when he acts in that way, then there's a fulfillment that Hashem says, I will fill the days of his, I will fill the number of his days. Now, in other words, there's already Hashem's promised him that even if there were days missing, Hashem says, I'll fill them up. Even if you did chasham things that were wrong, it's not lost. So I, I messed up back then. Oh, Hashem says, if you now give yourself over in a full way where you're not, your whole thing, you're consumed only by the mission, then Hashem says, I will fill the day. Who's I? Amale. It doesn't say who. You know, the Torah sometimes says that Hashem says, Hashem will do this and this. Because this is a different, a longer topic. By Daber Hashem al Hashem spoke to Moshe saying. So there's, a, there's a, an outside person, so to speak, a narrator, Hashem, who's speaking about Hashem, speaking to Moshe. Who's that outside one? That's Atzmus, that's Hashem himself. Here when Hashem speaks, I will fill the days of his thing. It doesn't say who, it doesn't say Hashem will do it. So we're talking to that higher level, the essence of Hashem, that's higher than any name. So it doesn't say Hashem, uh, if you serve Avadetem, the Pasuk starts off, Avadetem is Hashem, you serve Hashem, um, then it should say, then Hashem will reward you. It doesn't say that. Then it says, I will fill the days. Hashem himself is promising that everything is going to be replenished. You're going to get, because uh, you're going to get the, uh, the, the replenishment from Hashem Himself. And as the Rebbe points out in Ara 46, that, um, in, in, from another Mimer, that, um, Mimer of the Rebbe Rashab, <coughs> that through the bitterness of a person realizing, ah, that whatever he did really wasn't enough and he wasn't, didn't fully live up to the expectation Hashem has from him, this arouses Hashem's mercy and Hashem's closeness to him from Atmos himself, which from Atmos, that's, that's where comes the forgiveness. So Hashem, so to speak, replenishes and renews. And now the person's life is, is fully in sync with using everything that he has for Hashem. Ah, now we can understand Ches. That becomes back. Remember, we're still in the middle of a discussion. What does it mean? When the Yitzhahara comes, we say that there's a way to get out of making a shua, which is a very harsh thing. 
by if the claimants, if the defendants, nechassim, if the one who's being claimed from his properties were getting cheaper. What does that mean? So now we'll also understand the inner explanation of this halacha, that in a case where kozili nechse, where his property value is going down, you're not obligated to make a shvuah of meidem emiktas. What does this mean? It means that the years and the keiches, the energies that Hashem has given a yid, in order to fulfill his shlichas in this world, that is the equivalent of nechassim, of the properties of a yid. What's a person's properties? The commodities he has, which is his time and his, and his capabilities, his possibilities for serving Hashem. So when a yid affects by himself total bitl, his whole mitzias is only that he's a shliach of Hashem. All his time and all his energies are busy just with doing the Ebishter shlichas to make a dwelling place for the Ebishter here in the world. Mainly, he, he doesn't have time to go to a dinner with the Yetzirah. Because if he's going to use the time to go and have a discussion with the Yetzirah, so his property value is going to go down. <laughs> it's going to be decreased. The, 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 the time and whatever the Ebishter gave him to do his shlichas won't be used, they'll be used in a cheap way. They're not going to be used in their full, proper, prime way, which is to do Hashem's, do Hashem's mitzvahs. Remember, we learned, uh, uh, we learned that one of the ways, one of the things that could cause a, 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 be an excuse why the person didn't come to court and just give what he owes is because he says, if, I, if people are going to know that I have to, that, uh, that I'm in court and I need to cough up money, they're going to they're squeeze me in the price. The price is going to go down. So that's why I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go and liquidate and come and pay. I would have wanted to, but I, I, it would have caused a, a decreasing in my property value. In, in Ruchnis, what we're saying is, if I'm going to go now and have a discussion and come own up to the Yetzirah, look, yesterday I was with you, but I really, I wasn't, I, I wasn't really with you. I was just partially with you. Go, to have that, why would you have that discussion? To try and fix up your own personal levels. I'm not such a bad guy, I'm really good at that. That whole discussion about who are you, good guy, bad guy, not that whole discussion is going to take away energy from you from going and do your shlichas, from going and do your mission. It's going to cheapen what you could have been doing. It's going to cheapen your, 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 your days and your, and your capacity to do what Hashem wants you to do. I just want to be busy with doing what Hashem wants for me. I don't have time to, to have this, uh, this, 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 uh, this court case with Yetzirah. I'm, I'm not listening. Forget about it. I'm, just, I'm busy. So then we listen to his time. He doesn't have to make a shpur. Because not just that we saw that he already, ah, we don't need, he doesn't need the power of a shvur because he's not going to fall to the Yitzhahara. He's busy. But also more than that, Hashem says, I'm going to fill the number of your days. Even what he owed, he did owe, he did something wrong, so he owed 15. Ah, even that's going to be replenished, that's going to be taken care of. So there's no reason to have the whole, the whole thing is, is, is moot, the whole thing is not needed. So basically, the Rebbe is saying from us, telling us, if the Rebbe is telling us, must mean that, this speaking to us, never said this for us. <coughs> um, that this was a very, very powerful mimer, by the way. If you want to read back about when it was said in the, in 1952, the Shakela was a that was said with a lot of passion, a lot of uh, with a brokenness. But basically, got to get to work, got to do the shlichas, use the days Hashem gives you, use the energies Hashem gives you, not get caught up with even good stuff, but discussions about yourself, about the. All the best. That's luck in your shlichas.